Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Hi, I'm Julie Gunlaw with the Independent Women's Forum. Thank you for listening in on the latest podcast. Today we have Coven Senapathy, a mother of two and a writer who focuses on parenting and science. She writes for multiple publications, including Slate, Grounded Parents, and the Genetic Literacy Project, as well as Gawker. Um, she is the co-founder of March Against Myths, uh, which is an organization that seeks to promote facts about science, specifically biotechnology and other agriculture issues. Um, Coven has also written a new book, I'm very excited about this, called The Fear Babe, Shattering Zani Hari's Glass House. It's due out in October. Coven, I am so excited to have you on the show today. I am equally excited. Thank you for having me. I want to talk about your book, and I want to talk also about this letter that I've signed on, Moms for GMOs. Um, But first, if you could kind of give us a sense of what got you into this sort of area of writing, why you focus on this issue, what got you started on this, um, and tell us a little bit about uh, your education and your background. Right. So I... I've always had an interest in science. Um, I don't, I'm not a scientist and I, my education is not in science. Actually, my undergrad was in English literature, but I grew up with a molecular biologist as a father and always just had this, this natural love of, of genetics and biology. And, um, you know, with that, that kind of passion, um, after I had my, my daughter, who's now four and a half, my first child, um, you know, I had those anxieties that all new parents have. And of course, I started looking on the internet. And the internet, I think of as sort of the wild, wild west of information. And you have to sift through it and, and find what's right. But it's so easy to get caught up in, in what's frightening and get uh, surrounded by hype, you know, as, as you know, with culture of alarmism. So um, I, and I've also always loved writing. So I started writing for Grounded Parents, which is an evidence-based parenting website. And I just started exploring uh, issues around food when um, the the GMO issue popped up and I, and I <laughs> got started getting all this information and I was trying to figure out what's true. And I just dived in with, with great interest and really started focusing on biotechnology, although I explore all, all aspects of science-based parenting. And I also like to write about health, cancer, disease, autism. But biotechnology is kind of my sweet spot. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's so interesting because that is that's almost my exact story. When I'm on the other side of this and I'm the one being interviewed and people say, how did you get into this? That's, that's almost exactly what I say. And, it, and, and the reason I was motivated was because I was astonished at the number of things I was being told would kill my kid. And I'm not talking about like tornadoes and like hurricanes and escaped convicts. You know, I mean, like, like their pacifier and their crib sheets and the food I was feeding them. It was just a constant barrage of really scary information. Um, I've talked about this many, many times before, but we actually, IWF did some polling on this, and it was, it was so depressing 
um, to see how moms are really overwhelmed by this information. But what the, the polling also showed is this hunger for legitimate information and trusted information. Um, do you think that women are finding good sources? I mean, look, you and I, we write about people like Dr. Oz. We know that these guys are charlatans and that they are profiting off fear. Are science writers, um, are people who focus on these issues and try to get out um, accurate information, are they making a dent? You know, I, I want to say that, that people like us are making a dent. Now, the, the problem is, as you say, there's a hunger, hunger for accurate and evidence-based um, and science-based information. But the problem is it's very easy for these charlatans to make what they're putting out there in terms of articles or YouTube videos or TV shows like Dr. Oz's to make it sound very sciencey, for, for lack of a better term. I believe that the average mom or average parent that's looking for information on the internet runs, you know, will definitely run run across this kind of quackery um, in in their search for good information and and sometimes it's it's just really hard to sift through the the quality evidence based stuff, um, you know, in this, in the sea of misinformation. But um, the important thing is that we're, we're talking about not only what information is correct and why, but also that we explain, give people a foundation or a framework as to how to evaluate the information and the articles that they're reading to, to make sure that they're legitimate. So let's talk a little bit. You know, you are well known for taking on one of the sort of famous alarmists the food babe. Um, for those um, listening who are not familiar with uh, Vani Hari, who is a um, sort of a well-known activist, um, she presents herself, she certainly presents herself as having expertise in the area of nutrition and science, yet she has absolutely no background in these issues. She's a computer science major. And frankly, I'm like you. I don't have a science background, but what I do is refer to the scientists when I write on these issues. I don't spout off that I'm an expert on these issues. I refer people to who is actually the expert on it. She doesn't do that. She says she puts out her opinion and, and she presents it as she's an expert and she's warning you, really. She's sort of this consumer advocate, sort of a Ralph Nader type, um, telling you that, you know, this particular kind of food is going to harm you. You took her on. You, you're well known for taking her on. I think you're so brave on Twitter and, um, and in other social media platforms. Um, how much does, does your book explore her? And also, I know that you also focus a lot on biotech. So how mu- tell me a little bit about the book and how much of these issues it, it explores. Absolutely. So um, the, the co-authors of my book, I'm, I'm one of three co-authors. Um, the other two I, I like to call the Marks, Mark Draco and Mark Alsip. Um, we, we explore a lot about, in the book, a lot about the psychology of why people latch on to people like um, Food Babe slash Rani Hari and also other, other um, charlatans like her. Uh, and we also explore point by point the majority of the claims that she's made um, on her blog and in her videos and in her recent uh, New York Times best-selling book, The Food Babe Way. You know, we'll we'll take her claims on, say, stevia and break them down, or take her claims on caramel color, break them down, or on GMOs and break them down. The 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 main 
problem with Food Babe and you say, you know, you and I don't have um, extensive science backgrounds, but we refer people to evidence-based information. We refer people to scientists, which is exactly what we should be doing. But what Vani Haris does is she says, listen, I'm referring people to scientists too. I'm referring people to physician information too. But what she does is she cherry picks those kind of outlier scientists, the ones that are kind of fringe scientists who, who put out uh, cherry-picked one-off papers that, that don't agree with the vast weight of evidence. And she says, see, such and such, um, Dr. Such and Such, uh, supports right. what I'm saying. And so that, that, that becomes very um, hard for the average person to sift through. They'll say, see, you know, she's, she's using science too. But what, they, what these people don't understand is that when there are thousand studies all concluding the same thing, and then there are two studies that are um, in opposition to that vast weight of evidence, that's, that's not how, um, that's not how you, you make a valid conclusion. So, um, right, right. And, right. We, and we address that in the book as well. Okay, okay, great. And, and, and the thing is, is I think, I think I, you know, I, I think that's a huge part of the problem. As you just said, you know, if you have, you know, 700 studies that say one thing and then you have two studies over here that say something different, we've seen that, for instance, with Bamsal and some other um, on the GMO issue where you have, um, you know, the weight of evidence clearly states that GMOs are perfectly safe, and then you have a few outliers um, that, that don't. And, and often those, well, not often, every time, those studies you're not able to repeat, they're not able, you know, they're, they're not, they might not be peer-reviewed, or they're not able to replicate their findings. And so in the scientific world, this is sort of, oh, you know, that's not a really good study, but to activist organizations and anti-GMO organizations, that doesn't matter. And so often, that is not reported. And so that's that's in the nitty gritty of science, you know, sort of science communications. Like a lot of, you know, sort of the average person doesn't know that a study has to sort of go through this rigorous checking in order to be a respected study. That's often lost, I think, on sort of on this debate or or really. When these, when a lot of the alarmists and the, when there's a lot of fear mongering about these issues, they don't mention the quality of the study that they're they're citing. Absolutely, you know, um, there's there's the saying, especially on the on the skeptical side of the internet, that is um, citation or get out. Um, so people say, you know, someone makes a claim and someone will say, oh, I need a citation, and if if there isn't one, then I'm not. I'm not listening to your argument, but there's even there's even a fundamental problem with that because one a citation of one study does not necessarily corroborate a claim, and like you said, um, that that's lost on on a lot of people, and and that's what's important about the type of communication that we're doing is we're not only communicating about specific claims or specific um, people that are trying to uh, public figures that are trying to pull. The wool over the public's eyes. We also have to continually explain these concepts because no matter how many times you do it, it's as if as if, as if you're battling a hydra. You know, you cut off one head, and there's there's plenty right. more. So it's an ongoing struggle, but I think it's one that's very worthwhile. You know, I'm wondering if you could tell me, and I want I do want to get back to your book and Bonnie Harry, but I, I I'm wondering if you can address um, something that comes up quite a bit, and we're talking about scientific studies. 
Um, one having to do with um, with GMOs that I often see pop up a couple times a year. I'll see this pop up again in my Facebook feed: the Sirolini study. Um, yes. Now, and you know, and Genetic Roulette, which was uh, I think I'm getting that right, which was a documentary that came out a couple years ago that I believe used um, you know referred to the Sirolini study. If you could, could you give our listeners, I think this is a good example of one of those studies. So you have, you know, you have thousands of studies that have uh, shown GMOs to be perfectly safe. There's not one nutritional difference between GMO food and conventional and organic. Um, they, you know, they, they are processed by the human body in the same way. They are in no way going to harm the human body. And yet, then you have these other studies. And I think the Sirolini study is the one that pops up the most. Can you, can you talk about that one a little bit? Sure, and and there's actually another uh, recent study that we won't get into today, but if people are interested, the uh, Ayadure study, um, a systems biology study that claims that um, GMO soy has dangerous levels of formaldehyde compared to non-GMO um, soy. Is this, and, Fran, and, is this and, Fran Drescher? The Fran Drescher's husband one. And so I, I'll just throw that out there if anyone wants to Google it, since I know you wanted to talk about Seralini. And so I'll yes, just give really a... Quickly, really quickly, before you go into Seralini, I want to be clear. This oh. is Fran Drescher's husband, who's yes. at MIT, is that correct? He's at MIT... Um, Right, right, and and that's what gives him the credibility that he that he doesn't deserve. And I've I've written about this extensively. If anyone wants to just look on Genetic Literacy Project for my article on that, it explains the whole thing on on why this isn't valid and why it's. I mean, truly, yeah. we're laughing, and it is it is you know laughable to some it's extent. Really, it, it really is. So that's a good, so I just wanted to be clear. It's it's good background. Check that one out if if you're interested. But go on with the Seralini. Yeah, so Seralini, um, I'll, I'll just give the very high-level gist of it, um, and, and I'm sure that a lot of listeners have seen this, uh, this kind of famous image of tumor-ridden white rats. They look, they look absolutely miserable. They're suffering. Their, their bodies are just full of tumors. And what, and what this study basically says is that, or is trying to say, it doesn't, it doesn't say this, that rats fed... Um, GMOs develop cancer, and um, and he tries to imply, and his followers um, try to say that you know this shows that GMOs are dangerous and will cause cancer and other diseases. Now the problem is um, that in that picture you don't see the control rat, the rat that um, that wasn't fed uh, the, the GMOs. Which, um, which would also have been riddled with tumors. Now, now the problem is the breed of rat that was used and also yep. the length of, of time of the study. Um, this rat is, is prone to tumors and if you, uh, if you prolong its, its lifespan and under other certain conditions, confounding factors, it is very likely to develop tumors. And that's, that's the, the kind of gist as to why this the sad picture truly um, doesn't really tell you the whole story. The interesting thing is, though, is that the Sirolini study caused, I mean, first of all, he put this really weird video up on YouTube mm-hmm. with creepy horror music, sort of, you know, creaking coffins and spooky music, um, and and then showed these horrifying, like you say, these horrifying images of, of tumor-ridden ridden rats, um, and so it, he sort of—it was sort of a spectacle, and this caused 
huge panic. I mean, am I right, mm-hmm. Kevin, that was it, was it Kenya or some African nation based on the Seralini study banned the import and use of GMOs in the country? Um, and it had, I, I believe it was Kenya, and there was, there were many other, I mean, I think there was some concern among European countries. I think for a temporary time, I think there was a ban in some, in some European countries that was even more strict than they are today. Um, and they backed that off now because Seralini's study has not been peer-reviewed. He will not release his data. Um, it hasn't been peer-reviewed, and, and he refuses to really be upfront about the methods he used. Again, we, are, we know that, um, that you know, these, this particular type of rat um, is prone to tumors, and we know that his, his uh, methodology was not very good. But, um, but, he's kind of, but there were some real reverberations. Am I correct? Absolutely. You know, not only policy reverberations, which are consequences, which are huge, but it's it still has an effect on the on the public psyche. You know, um, you mentioned that I'm a co-founder of of March Against Myths, and at our big event um, this year, we where we um, counter protested against March Against Monsanto um, at our chapters worldwide, we we had some conversations with with people who were on the anti-GMO March Against Monsanto side. And um, one, we could manage to have, you know, to catch someone who was willing to have a civil conversation. We asked them, you know, why are you, why are you doing this? Why are you marching? And the Seralini study would, would come oh. up, you know. Well, well yeah. you know, GMOs cause cancer. You saw those rats, right? Yeah. And so, so we would try to explain. I mean, it's very hard to reach people at these marches, although um, it's, it was the online fence sitters that we were that we were really trying to sway through this. But it's just interesting how often this continues to come up. Yeah. Well, this is a good time to actually talk about the Moms for GMO letter um, that mm-hmm. you have put together and that you are managing and getting other moms. I am a signer of this letter. If you could tell us a little bit about it and and what you're trying to to accomplish with this letter. Absolutely. So. Um, the letter actually started when I and three other women who who originally signed the letter got together, and we we saw that that celebrity moms, including um, Gwyneth Paltrow and Sarah Michelle Gellar, um, and and a lot of these moms who signed the letter are are big fans of these of these celebrities, were speaking out against GMOs and for mandatory GMO labeling, and we realized all of them are moms, and they're all doing this out of a, legit, a legitimate concern for their children, um, but the problem is that they have so much clout, they have huge platform, right. yet clearly, the, clearly they're misinformed. And so the, the four of us got together and and fig- decided that we would write an open letter to them, um, and and so that's what we did, the the Moms for GMOs letter, in which we we really do highlight what we have in common with these women is that we're we're all share concern for our children. I mean, our children, I can speak for all of us, are, are the most important things to us. I mean, that, that's kind of what we uh, are concerned about 24-7. And it's our, mom, it, it, it's, our, it's our strength and our weakness, to be honest. Right, right. I think that is why alarmists are so successful and why Bonnie Hari and Dr. Oz, because look, I mean, you know, there's a self-preservation point about the safety of your children. You know, I think mm-hmm. it would destroy me if my child was ever harmed. So I think mm-hmm. we become very, you know, we are 
um, very, very nervous about these things, but it sometimes yeah. um, it impedes us from, from being sort of rational about stuff. And, right. And, um, so I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, but I agree. No, that's okay. And it, it even, it even, um, sometimes can, can backfire, you know, when, when you're overly cautious, um, it, you know, I, I like to model, I want my kids to be physically safe and healthy, but I also want them to grow up, um, as rational, critical thinkers. And I think it's very important, um, at least for me personally, to, to model that critical thinking for them. So, so that's another reason that I, that I do this. Although my kids are just four and two now, um, they're going to, they're going to soon start noticing, you know, it's our mom and dad really worried about this thing and why are they worried? And right. I don't, I don't want them to be constantly concerned. Now the thing about the moms for GMO letter is that, um, the combination of celebrity, and motherhood together is very powerful. I believe yeah. in the public eye, um, people see you know they people see them, they listen to them, but they also um, motherhood gives a credibility. So people think you know these these women are putting out this information. The information sounds legitimate, and of, and of course they're worried about their kids, and so we should we should listen to them because we're worried about our kids too. And so. Um, and, and that mis, misinformation, again, um, the way they say it, and they put out a video, a uh, public service announcement sponsored by an organization called Just Label It for what's called the Conceal or Reveal campaign. It's a campaign um, pushing for mandatory GMO labeling and against the Safe and Accurate Food Labeling Act. And, it, you know, when when these celebrities frame it's as a right issue. We have a right to know what's in our food. Well, then if we oppose a, a legitimate right, then it, it sounds like the moms for GMOs or, or pro-GMO camp are doing something inherently unethical. You know, why would we, why would we oppose a right? But, but the, the point the letter makes is that there isn't a right to know. A GMO, it's, GM is a process. It's not an ingredient. And right. if we start labeling process-based um, based things, then there's so many other processes that we would need um, in, in terms of logic. And, and then it, it, it increases prices and, and, um, and further, it, it doesn't make scientific sense because there are so many different ways different plant breeding methods that manipulate an organism's genome that, right. that isn't considered GMO in, um, in terms of the modern lexicon. Yeah, it's really interesting, too, in the letter, you mention another kind of, um, of I guess, plant breeding where they, they take a, a, a living thing, a plant, and they blast it with massive doses of radiation and see what comes mm -hmm. out. And I can't remember the name of that process. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one I, I like to talk about because it, it really shows how arbitrary the term GMO is. Um, you know, initially, I, I, I really don't didn't like the term GMO because it is so scientifically arbitrary. But because right. it's so ubiquitous, I figure we might as well it in a positive way so that, that's why we did the moms for gmos hashtag but so the process you're talking about is called radiation mutagenesis um and then there's also a process called chemical yeah you, you yeah, moms out there should feel really fine about mutagenesis i mean that is a scary <laughs> that's a, yeah and, and you know the interesting thing is mutagenic varieties can be sold as organic a um right. a a very um uh 
ubiquitous one, excuse me, (laughs) ubiquitous one is wheat. Um, There is no wheat on the market that is considered GMO wheat. There's no wheat that's considered GMO. Although I would, I would say that, that a lot of this wheat is, uh, is very much uh, genetically altered. And so what, what scientists do in labs or plant breeders do in labs is they bombard certain plants or seed with radiation with the intent of scrambling the genome um, and with the intent of inducing changes in, in the traits of that organism. And usually what happens, I, I like to compare it to um, rolling the dice. And you, you keep rolling the dice, keep rolling the dice, and hoping to get a good roll. So most of the time, um, no, no discernible change happens through this process. Sometimes uh, a negative change happens, and that's kind of discarded. And every now and then you might get lucky and, and get a beneficial change in trait. Um, after which the the that variety is developed and then commercialized and then marketed and, then, and, and again then put, and then they put an organic sticker on it and then it, it yeah can be sold for fourteen it's, times the amount yeah <laughs> gourmet wheat pasta right. and it can be organic and I mean it, it it can be sold as conventional but it can be grown in an organic you know under the that organic is. certification yeah. process and it can be sold sold as an organic and there are so many other methods like this that force um, just in terms of uh, how how GMO is defined, which again I find arbitrary, um, so many other processes like this that are genetically manipulating the organism that are considered non-GMO. Well, you know, it it is um, really sad too, and this is a point that I make a lot in my writing, is that um, you know, sort of this mom's, uh, you know, the, the the celebrity moms that are against GMOs. Um, you know, they don't so subtly um, suggest that if you're a really good mom or if you care about your mom, then you'll keep them away from GMOs. And this is very similar to the narrative about organic food. Um, I am on a very strict budget as a mom of three boys who gr- are growing. I can't, I just, I'm trying to stop them from growing, but they keep growing, and they're absolutely <laughs> growing. And my budget is just... I mean, I bought one of those super packs of pork chops the other night, and there was there's like one pork chop left. I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are eating so much, and so I'm on a strict budget. And what, what what makes me sad though is I don't live at or under the poverty line, and I think about women who do, and who might listen to you know Gwyneth Paltrow go to blog her and say, oh, you know, organic. I don't. I actually don't know if she said this at blog her, but we know that she is a big promoter of, of organic food and sort of boutique eating. And, and how they must feel pressure to use their very scarce resources um, on very expensive food. And so one thing that I, you know, I, I just feel like a part of what you're doing is not just advocacy for agriculture and biotechnology and farmers. I feel like you're advocating really for moms who struggle. And, and I, I, there are a lot of moms in this country who struggle, moms and dads and families that struggle, especially in this economy. And so I think hitting back, I think this letter is so critical because again, yes, we're trying to reassure women about a particular food technology, but I think it really goes deeper than that. And I think the work that you're doing is so important for women who, again, who struggle to feed their families. Right. I, I, I really do agree with that. And, and I write a lot about um, the, the concept of mom shaming that happens, um, you know, like you said, um, the implication or even the explicit uh, declaration that moms who, who don't choose organic or who 
choose to vaccinate their kids or who, you know, there, there are so many other choices that moms are, are shamed for and um, are guilted for that um, we just really need to push back against because um, as long as, as you love your child, you feed your child a balanced diet and, and no, it doesn't need to be organic and it doesn't matter if there's GMOs in it, but yeah, you want to, you want to feed your, your child a healthy balanced diet and you, you pay attention to them and, and, um, care about their education. I mean, and that's what really matters. It, it doesn't matter if we, yeah. if we yeah. breastfeed them for three years or if we, and, and we should vaccinate them yeah. and no yeah. feeding them GMOs isn't killing them. But, but I get, I get so much backlash from people who, um, who, who tell me, Oh, you're poisoning your kids or you're, yeah. you're hurting them. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, of, I, I think and, that's and, very important. And there's a lot of cruelty out there to, to people who do make evidence and science-based decisions um, when it comes to rearing children. Um, you know, I think there again, there's a lot of a lot of nervous parents out there, and and there are there are things I think that you know anti-alarmists or science writers aren't saying that the world is wonderful and there's nothing you have to worry about. I mean, there are things to worry about. What's so sad though is often these dis just, just, you know, distract people from the true things that they should be doing. I mean, your child is probably going to turn out great because you paid attention to them and you loved them and you read that read to them and you, you know, uh, you know, set them out to be free and have free play. These are the things that matter. Um, too often, I think uh, women um, and moms are, are so wrapped up in little things like, oh, you know, does this have the organic label that they miss sort of the, the bigger things that matter to kids. Kevin, I am I'm so thrilled to talk to you. I'm a huge fan of everything that you do. I can't wait. I'm going to, I cannot wait to buy your book. Um, is there pre-ordering or uh, advanced ordering or when does it come out? What's it? Tell us a little bit more about your book and then we'll wrap this up. Yeah, there's there's no advanced order, ordering yet, but it's uh, it's due out in October, um, and and we're just three authors that got together and and decided to write this book, and it, it ended up getting a lot bigger than we planned in a in a good way. You know, my husband was was reading it, and he his his uh, short review because he's he's very he's he's not very uh, wordy. He says it's 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 really good. I like it. It's dense. He goes it's dense. It's not for the casual reader. <laughs> well, the good thing but, um, is, is you are. I've read your stuff, and you're very funny. So I think to any of the listeners here, yes, this is oh yes. thick thick on science, and Absolutely. you're going to delve into some some. Um, some pretty complicated issues, but I do know that you are very lighthearted. You're ha- you have a lighthearted yeah. sense of humor, and and look, there is no better person to make fun of uh, than the humorless Vanny Hari. So I'm sure. Um, oh yeah. There'll, you, there'll be some fun moments in the book. I, I guarantee that. I guarantee that you'll laugh out loud, um, and and you will be one of the first to know um, when it's available. It'll be available on on Amazon and all other major online retailers. Great. Um, I, look for, I, I look for it. I will definitely be promoting it on IWF site, and you know, I'd love to write a review of it because. I think this is really, really important stuff. So let us know as soon okay, as yeah, I, I, you know. I'll send you. I'll send you a um, review copy. Oh well, I, I, feel, I feel super. No, that's awesome. I feel super important. Yeah. Good, good, good. Listen, Kevin, you are fantastic. Please check out everything she writes at Genetic Literacy Project at Grounded Parents, um, and you also have a very active Facebook page under um, it's K A V I N, and then your last name is S E N A P A T H Y. Is that correct? 
Yep. If you if you search my name, um, you'll find it. Um, don't confuse my personal page, which is very boring, with my public page, which is Coven Synopathy Science um, Coven Synopathy Writer Science Defender. So you'll you'll see it there. That's right. And you have sort of a. You have a, you're, it's a picture, it's a cartoon of you wielding a sword with the word science on it, correct? Yes, my, my dear cousin made that cartoon That's of awesome. me, um, so it's me with the science sword. Yes, yes. Well, you're a superhero to us, and thank you so much for being on. And thanks to all of our listeners um, for listening uh, to another podcast from the Independent Women Forum. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or Stop by IWF.org for similar content.